This podcast may contain bad words. <laughs> Welcome to The Little London Show, your favorite podcast for all your favorite things. Recorded in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Enjoy the show. Welcome to The Little London Show. I'm Darcy. And I am Jeff. Uh, welcome to day, what, 280 of the never-ending COVID apocalypse that is getting worse and worse by the day. The oh, I thought you were going to say the 280th <laughs> day of election um, craziness. Oh, yeah. That feels true. like 280 <laughs> days. <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to, um, we're going to cover this. I was going to write a, a little piece about the, um, the lawsuits going on in the multiple battleground states by the Trump campaign and the Republicans. And in starting the research, I realized that it was shifting so fast that an article would already be out of date by the time we got it up. (laughs) It is, it is shifting really quickly. I've been following some of it uh, from a couple of different lawyers through Twitter and it's like every couple of hours they have an update. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Uh, What's the the overview though? (laughs) So I would say the overview, and I've chatted with a few friends. Uh, I have a, a friend in law or from law school, whose firm actually has been handling a lot of election-based lawsuits on the Democratic side. Okay. Um, his res- his resounding response to all of my queries has been, "Stop worrying about it. There's there's nothing they can do essentially." Um, but I'll, I'll give you the overview. So essentially what the Trump administration and the GOP have been doing is filing lawsuits in all of the states uh, that are basically the battleground states. So Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona. And most of the lawsuits are based around some irregularity with either the ballots themselves, meaning you know the ballots were counted, but perhaps not properly marked, uh, or around when the ballots were received versus when they're postmarked. And and that's all based generally on states, uh, individual laws. I would say overwhelmingly, all of these lawsuits have been dismissed or have not really proceeded forward. Uh, So the, the likelihood of success on the merits is relatively minuscule, but- right. Even let's assume even if one of these lawsuits does succeed, it's it will at most invalidate a few hundred ballots in each state. The problem for the Trump campaign and uh, former president-elect Donald Trump is that they would have to essentially get tens of thousands of ballots in each of these battleground states overturned or thrown out. Um, or they'd have to find the same amount for of ballots that voted for Trump in order for the election result to be overturned. And really, I would say the likelihood of that is not impossible. So that's kind of where it's at. It seems to be more of a sign- signaling thing to his base uh, to be able to tell his base that he fought the hard fight to make sure the election was fair. It seems to be more for show than actual uh, actual relevant lawsuits from what I've read, the attorneys are very close to 
being sanctioned what what's called a rule 11 yeah. violation so rule 11 is basically the rule that requires that if you do file a lawsuit it has to have some some merit some <laughs> <laughs> and they're getting perilously perilously close to courts uh citing that rule and holding some of these attorneys in contempt so because in a lot of cases there's not they're not bringing actual evidence yeah, there's no evidence there. You know, Giuliani uh, went before the court earlier uh, in the week that we're recording this and basically said there was massive fraud. The judge asked what, you know, please give me one example of the fraud to which Giuliani ignored the judge and then continued to talk about massive fraud. So, yeah, that's and that's been the big takeaway for me is that over and over and I've I've probably dove into this a little too far, like not good for my mental health too far um, and have been following it. And overwhelmingly, it just comes back that there's not evidence. There's not evidence of fraud. And out of 27 decided cases, as we record this, 26 of them have been lost or thrown out in some way. There's only been one that's even made any ground and it was really minor, really, really minor. And so yeah, it was super minor. It, it was a Pennsylvania lawsuit or yeah, the lawsuit was filed in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it was basically about how long to give voters to fix their signatures and yep. it ruled that the Pennsylvania had given enough too much time and the date was, you know, set in stone and people couldn't keep fixing their signatures. And it affected like 50 ballots, I think, something like yes. that. And so that's it. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. And so out of 27 decided as we record this, 26 have been completely thrown out or lost. They're not going any further. There's no evidence being presented. The stuff that is presented is uh either speculation or hearsay and so there's it's just that it has no teeth there's no teeth i think you know what this goes to is this broader problem this is getting like real deep for what the rest of this episode is going to be right but... which has nothing to do <laughs> the rest of the episode is really great it has nothing to do with this so just hang in there everyone uh but it goes to this this kind of problem we're having in the American discourse right now, where we can't have this exchange of ideas, this marketplace of ideas, this policy discussion, whether, you know, tax cuts to corporations are good overall for the economy, good for people, or whether, you know, Medicare for all is a, a better way to go or a, a combination of both. Because one side of the argument or one, you know, one opposing party basically does not interpret facts the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so if the facts, if the basis for, you know, a lot of policy is disputed, the discussion automatically is stalled and right. is, is dramatically thrown off course. You know, the fact that people legitimately think that Biden won through a fraudulent vote count is problematic because mm -hmm. we can't, we're focused on this instead of focusing on what this transition is going to look like. Right. How do we address COVID? It is a huge problem. It is a problem that I don't think social media is the cause of, but it's certainly accelerating to mm -hmm. a dramatic level. Uh, but it's fairly, fairly scary kind of to watch. Um, come in, you know, come into fruition in our national discourse. I mean, the fact that Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham is calling the Georgia Secretary of State and asking him to throw out ballots is egregious and should right. be an impeachable offense. And the fact that yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Anyway. This is, and yeah, this 
my my conversations with family members lately have also revolved around kind of what you just said, that we can't even get into a discussion about what is right for our country moving forward or what ideology looks like because we can't even get on the same page on what's happening um, and what the impact of those things are. And that to me is like a, it's a greater issue with freedom and the people that are worried about losing their freedoms, that they're not being empowered. We as a country are not being empowered to have the information we need to elect people, to make decisions, to vote. We it's just not there for everybody. And that's I, I think that's a dangerous place for us to be as a country. So we will see what happens with that. But that's not what our show's about today. <laughs> let's get through some more news. Uh, let's talk about some COVID news. Uh, I'm already drinking. Um, yeah, let's talk about some. <laughs> so let's let's start with the bad news. Um, we have a bit of good news. So basically throughout the country as we record, um, COVID infections are hitting incredible new all-time highs. Um, it's far worse than it was when the virus initially hit in the spring. In Colorado, the state has created a new threat level for the virus restrictions, uh, threat level red, uh, for counties with high levels of transmission, hospitalizations, and positivity rates. Uh, under the threat level red, most indoor activities are prohibited or strictly limited. I believe restaurants and gyms are forced to go down to 10% capacity. Uh, outdoor activities are encouraged as an alternative. Um, capacity limits overall are very significant. The following counties as of recording have been moved into red. Adams, Arapahoe, Boulder, Broomfield, Clear Creek, Denver, Douglas, Jefferson, La Plata, Logan, Mesa, Morgan, Route, Summit, and Washington counties. So not great. It's not great throughout the country. It's really not great in uh, Colorado. Um, there are certainly states that are worse, but yeah, we're not in a good spot at the moment. And I, I want to mention one clarifying thing with this. When the COVID pandemic first hit and we were counting hospitalizations and we were looking at percentage of positive test results, one of the big arguments that was coming out then is that there was just more and more testing. So with more and more testing, we were getting more and more positive results and it wasn't really an illustration of the spread of the virus. At this point within the virus, this is not a testing issue. This is actual spread of the virus. Yes, there are more tests being done. There was even some news today that there may be a quick home test available in the near future for people. But the numbers that we're looking at are not just a factor of more testing like what we were hearing several months ago. So this is this is transmission. This is bad. This is more people getting COVID. Yeah, and I think we can look to the test positivity um, rates to kind of indicate that. So back in the spring, summer, you know, El Paso County was under 5% mm -hmm. positive test rates. We're at 15% as of recording, so mm -hmm. which is not great. The state levels for kind of a good v bad is at that 5% level. Or um, lower, yeah. And we're, we're way above that. Anyway, good news. <laughs> I think I was describing it this morning as we're at the light at the end of the tunnel, but the rest of the tunnel fucking sucks. So yeah. um, uh, Moderna and Pfizer, uh, both pharmaceutical companies have both released statements indicating that their vaccines are about 95% effective. They appear to be very safe, no significant side effects, um, which is great news. They're toward the final end of large trials. So it looks like those will be approved. Uh, the 95% 
percent effective rate is huge. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, I remember at the beginning of the, the pandemic, cited a 50 to 65% um, success rate as being promising, uh, mm. sourcing way higher. Uh, these, these vaccines are very promising. We anticipate probably broad scale rollout in April. My guess is that these will be approved or one of them will be approved at the end of the year for our frontline workers, hospital staffs. Um, vulnerable seniors and so on. And then they'll go from there. Yeah. So. Colorado, uh, Governor Polis has already submitted a plan for how the vaccine would be rolled out, who gets it first, you know, and that does go straight to those frontline workers. Um, and of course, as with vaccines, there's always some people that won't be able to take the vaccine. But if the bulk of people can um, and it has been proven effective, this could be the thing we need to break that cycle of uh, continued exposure and continued spread of the virus. So it's now just going to morph into a mass debate into a vaccine debate. <laughs> yeah, I've already gotten um, <laughs> I've already gotten at least one. Um, I don't know, uh, into one conversation with somebody that had seen some video about the vaccine and some conspiracies around the vaccine. And these conspiracies have been going on for since the beginning of vaccines. Right. And so uh, we'll take it all with take all those conspiracy series series with a grain of salt. Um, and one of the things about this rollout is that they've done the major testing, it gets approved by the FDA, and it rolls out in phases. And, you know, it's not going to be everyone gets the vaccine at once. And so I think hopefully that helps build trust in the vaccine as well. Let's hope so. Talking about building trust, do you have a, another tidbit about uh, Boeing? In here? <laughs> Boeing has rebuilt their trust. Uh, Boeing just got approval to put the 737 MAX back in the air. So you might uh, have heard about this. The 737 MAX was the new plane by Boeing. It was released a little over two years ago. And then there were two major fatal crashes that happened. And the aircraft itself was grounded. Um, in an article by Reuters, they called it regulatory scrutiny is what the airline was under. They were looking at everything from engineering to internal communication documents at Boeing. It was 20 months uh, that the 737 MAX was grounded, and that's the longest grounding in commercial aviation history, but they are newly able to fly again. Hooray. Hooray. For, <laughs> and we can't. No one can go anywhere. <laughs> but, but if we could, we could take a 737 MAX again. I'm more likely to want to not fly a 737 MAX than to take uh, than to be exposed to coronavirus. Yeah, like you, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather go to a crowded bar than get on a 737 Max. Well, um, I mean, after all this scrutiny, there is an argument that this, this is probably the most well looked into aircraft of anything in the air because there's been so much oversight in getting this plane back into the air. But uh, it is it has been approved. And there we go. I'm going to take my guidance from Trump on that one and wait for his official statement. Um, oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, something more uplifting. Darcy, tell us, uh, tell us, tell me, tell the audience who, uh, who we have on today. 
We're super excited. So we, uh, you know, we've been covering all of this craziness happening, uh, politics and ballot issues and things you might need to know or hear about uh, in the coming years. And we get to bring it local again today and talk to the new owners, proprietors of Icons, a new downtown bar. Josh and John are with us to tell us all about why they decided to open Icons and what it's all about. Yeah, so enjoy the interview, um, and we will see you soon. Great. Here we are. All right, we're here with John. Yes. Josh. Hi. Josh and John. Not not of Colorado Springs ice cream fame, but of the, the newest, hottest spot in town, Icons Bar. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for joining us. So we're super excited. Icons is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first um, LBGTQ oriented bar in town, downtown Colorado Springs, what, in the last 20 years, 30 years? Um, yeah, I guess it depends on how you phrase it. We obviously want to acknowledge those that came before us and did great things. Um, we're certainly the first lounge at, um, I think previously there there have been some clubs that have opened that have either had you know a gay friendly night or were a secretive gay club. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely say we're the first out loud proud um, gay lounge, you know, complete with a rainbow flag out front. <laughs> so yeah, definitely reaching new territory. Talk a little bit about like this, this concept, because you just made a distinction between your lounge and maybe previous clubs. So what are you going for here? What is, what does this actually look like for people? Sure. Um, so our, our, it's, it's definitely, there's no dancing. There's not like club music. You come into our bar. It's like a beautiful aesthetic. It's classy and kitschy at the same time. Um, and the thing that really sets us apart is the fact that all of our bartenders are incredible singers. Oh. So at any any moment, um, a bartender or myself or John will get up and either play a song on the piano and sing or or do a little you know track. But yeah, everybody's talented at bartending, but also very talented vocally. Was it hard to find that group of people in Colorado Springs or was there like a surprising <laughs> lot of applicants for singing bartenders? <laughs> talented, <laughs> talented in both arenas. It's definitely hard to find. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say we were lucky, you know, it's it's a specific thing we're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the, the pool's small, but it's also um, a pretty tight-knit community as far as artists okay. go. Um, so our bartenders, uh, bartenders were someone that we knew or it was someone that someone knew. They were like, this sounds like someone, something that my friend should be doing for you. Uh -huh. um, we also made it even harder by prior prioritizing queer bartenders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, but somehow we, we got a, an incredible staff. Um, we're just like one big happy family. And, you know, as artists, we really respect each other and our gifts and, Anytime any any somebody else gets up to sing, we're so supportive and excited. And oftentimes, like I'll beg Zach, one of our bartenders, to let me play piano um, rather than sing to a track, just because I like playing piano with him. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, when he sings, it's so exciting, and I think we all feel the same about each other. So it's kind of a love fest over there. 
with distance, of course. And <laughs> <laughs> I love let's, that. Let's step back for a sec. Um, Josh, you're, my understanding is you're native to Colorado Springs. You grew up here? Correct. And I John, you, you forced to Colorado. <laughs> it's actually the other way around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell, yeah, us, tell us how you guys met. And you've alluded to, you're both artists, but I think your, your artistic background is actually super interesting and automatically makes Colorado Springs much more culturally diverse than we've been in the past. Yeah, so we're guys, legit. <laughs> you're, you're legit. Let's talk a little bit about, yeah, how you met and how you ended up in Colorado. Great. Um, yeah, so I, John, I'm from West Virginia originally. Um, through a series of events, ended up in New York. So we were both doing um, Broadway musicals based out of New York. Um, I was there for about 10 years. Joshua was there for 18, 17 years, something like that. Oh, wow. um, so we, we met doing a show. It was an out-of-town tryout up in Connecticut. Um, and it was... <laughs> The worst show you could imagine. <laughs> we, we, we won't say what the show was, um, but it it was lacking a lot of things, but that made it really, really fun because it was the right group of people. So when you're all collectively working towards something that you know maybe isn't great, <laughs> <it's not> great <laughs> um, we, really, we really had the best time. Um, Josh and I just both happened to uh, have dogs. So we were kind of housed separately from everyone else. And formed a really uh, strong friendship right away. So best friends right away. And then obviously that grew into something more. And, love is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so that was, that was only five years ago that, oh, wow. that we met. And so then um, I had been coming back to Colorado Springs to either teach with the conservatory, Colorado Springs conservatory, or, you know, sing with the symphony or, you know, any, I would look for any reason to escape New York to um, see the mountains for a little bit. But I, it was always like, you know, one foot in the water and immediately out until a couple of years ago, we, we came here to direct uh, a production of Jack, a moral musical tale at the Ent Center. Um, so we were here for a larger chunk of time and that's when John- um, Yeah, I'll take the credit for it because I, <laughs> I showed up with fresh eyes. I didn't grow up here, I didn't have to stay in childhood memories um <laughs> but so so i showed up you know uh, I, I feel like i'm pretty aware about um the momentum that cities can jump onto and i felt like the city was growing really fast and all these cool things were popping up all over the place you tie that in with the mountains we're both big hikers with the dogs so we, that was good the live entertainment throughout the town there's tons of great musicians here um so for my fresh eyes, I was like, this is the best place ever. Yeah. You know? And I probably told you, like, before you came here, I was like, I probably was like, it's terrible. <laughs> focus on the family. It destroys everything. It, there's no culture. <laughs> nope. Sorry. It's okay. My dog's in the show all the time. Don't worry about it. Suki has a lot of things to protect. She's definitely, <laughs> definitely the head of the household. Um, so, yeah. So we decided it was two and a half years ago um we wanted the place to settle down we knew we didn't want to stay in new york forever it just wasn't the lifestyle we were looking for um so we just uh, do you feel settled down because i don't not yet <laughs> uh, but we decided you know we decided 
it was we were at a place that we could buy buy a house so we bought a house here knowing very well he had a broadway show coming up i had some stuff happening so we airbnb at the house for two years mm-hmm. we were still in new york um but it gave us a place to stay so we could come back and forth pretty regularly and then just in january josh came to sing with the symphony again and decided he wasn't going to go back to new york did not know the world was about to yep we had no idea so that was a happy coincidence i was um touring full-time with um my fair lady the national tour my fair lady and that obviously got shut down so we came here and i will say we enjoyed for at least a month the vacation of being together in one place and not traveling home for the first time ever living here um lots of projects at home I'm oh sure yeah we sure <laughs> like we, we built a fence we worked in the yard the table, <laughs> furniture and that's i mean and that is where this kind of came from josh had always wanted to do something for the, for this specific community for the town eventually because he knew it was lacking um but then here we were unemployed very surprised with how far the city has come and that um there wasn't anything like this downtown well and we we become friends with so many people in the queer community and it just became really clear how massive that community was mm-hmm. and that nobody really knew each other so we had like a group of friends over here doing their thing we had a group of friends in the military doing their thing all part of the queer community um but not really finding a place that they wanted to meet up and meet other like-minded people. So um, then there was a few nights that our house turned into basically the energy of the bar is now, which was, I love entertaining. I love, you know, making cocktails and making sure there's snacks for everyone. And then we would have a few drinks. We'd all end up around the piano and everyone was having a great time. And that, that definitely inspired what, what the bar turned into. Um, so we want, we want everyone to feel comfortable we want it to feel upscale, but not stuffy. Um, we we want it to be a place that people feel like they're at home, but they want to respect it and it, it, for it to feel like a family. And I think we've we've done that, but we'll see. It's a cool spot. I've been, Darcy, have you been in yet? No, I've only seen pictures. I went in on election <laughs> night and it was uh, a fantastic start to the evening until the initial red illusion came. <laughs> <laughs> and then I promptly went home um, after a friend I was with ordered a pizza into the bar. I apologize for that profusely. I barely <laughs> know that person. It's like, wow. I've, I've never met him before that night. I did um, that. We all know um, what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so... Just business-wise, I'm kind of curious because the with any bar, you know, it's you need foot traffic, you need people in to drink, right? I mean, your main profit margin, I'm assuming, is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, were you guys? Are you worried about this? The size of the queer population in the Springs to be able to support the bar itself downtown. I know there's a a queer bar on powers is that the other one that's more uh, of a on academy club q club q right yeah but you guys weren't worried about the the foot traffic or the the size of the population you, you feel like you you're going to hit the numbers you need to hit honestly it's it's quite the opposite at this point with the capacity we have with covid um we're we're always as full as we can be because people are really excited for what we're doing 
Um, mm. So at this point, you know, we're really looking forward to safely moving forward and hopefully figuring out how we can all move forward as a society, right. hopefully a vaccine situation, because I think we're going to be. Uh, we've we've already had several nights where we've had to turn people away because we were at capacity. And, and this is before we've, you know, officially opened. Um, and the times that we have done a little soft opening with very late, you know, announcements only on our social media page. Um, it's not just the queer community. And I want to make that super clear. There's sort of a social agreement when you walk through our doors that you are, are inclusive. You're all inclusive and support people that either look like you, act like you, or don't. Um, so everybody's welcome. It's, it's not like you have to show your queer card to get in the door, though that would be fun. Um, so we, we, you know, the other night we had probably five, you know, blonde, straight girls come in, um, not really knowing what they were walking into, and they had such a good time. They were requesting specific songs, you know, like, so, and they, I'm sure they'll be back. Um, so aside from the queer aspect, which to answer your question, not worried at all, if anything, I think our space is too small for the size of the community. Mm -hmm. um, but aside from that, I, I think the entertainment factor, the aesthetic of, of, I mean, it's like being in a really funky art gallery. Um, so I think those things are going to bring people back regardless of it being a queer safe space. Yeah, I should I should have re rephrased that uh, better. I'm sorry. I'm sitting in this parking oh. lot and learned it. I'm totally <laughs> off. Um, it, it definitely the vibe yeah, is like a, a fun art gallery. That's a that's a good way to describe it. But you know, I was telling Jim the uh, the stranger that ordered the pizza <laughs> establishment that it it's definitely a place that I could see walking down for happy hour after work. And I'm a very straight white man that works in finance, and it would it. <laughs> Certainly feels welcoming to Pretty anybody. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I, I guess my question more was, has the GLBT community, the queer community in Colorado Springs grown so exponentially that maybe Icons is just the first of a few different establishments? I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's, and you'd, you'd be surprised at how many business owners in the downtown area are of the community. Um, yeah, it's like I said, like nobody really, and we're just beginning to grasp how large this community is, but nobody, nobody can do that, especially, um, outside of, you know, younger people that want to go to a club, like Club Q, which serves an incredible purpose. Um, but for the older crowd, not even older, like thirties professional crowd, they don't have a place to go and meet. So it is hard to sort of understand the, the size of the community because there isn't a place like ours until now. And we're just at the beginning of, of seeing just how big this community is. And everybody wants to be involved, which is great. But for even for our opening night, like we had to, we're, we're booked. <laughs> so there are people that want to be there to experience this sort of monumental um, thing that's happening on Friday and uh, we again are having to turn people away. Part of that is because of the COVID factor, and we're trying to make sure everybody feels super safe um, and that we're at 50% capacity. 
which is a challenge for us. But uh, again, that's why Friday we've done two separate showings, two seating times, so you can at least get you know two rounds of people in to, to experience uh, and try to accommodate you know those that got to us first for our opening night. Can you guys talk a little bit about like, this seems like a very interesting time to be opening a public space. <laughs> what has that looked like for you? Like you started thinking about it, COVID hit and you were just like, fuck yeah, we're going with it. Like, what has this looked like for you? Kind of. There were, there were some factors um, with COVID that allowed this to happen hmm. um, a little e easier than other times. Um, I mean, well, to be frank, I was able to pour, pull out of my 401k without penalty because oh, <laughs> nice. of COVID, um, things like that. Also, up until now, we both were constantly being pulled back to New York to hmm. either audition for something or set, set a show, in John's case, um, set choreography. So the, it was kind of a, the perfect scenario in a really imperfect time. Um, it's very poetic. Thank you. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we both, we're both very passionate people and we're very driven and we, we do need stimulation and we want to feel like we're doing good and working. And so, like I said, we, we enjoyed the summer camp vacation four to six weeks of being home. And then after that, we're like, Let's do something. And in a way, it was, I mean, what else are you going to do with your time, right? I think we're all having <laughs> to be super creative about how do we keep ourselves safe, but keep ourselves sane. Um, so this allowed us several months of um, being sort of quarantined in uh, a, a building downtown and transforming the space into what it is now. And, and just, you know, with the faith that this will pass and what we're building needs to be here and it, we're just using our time and hoping that it uh, works out you well, guys have oh. biden won so the virus is actually gone now so we're, <laughs> we're that's right god yeah i don't know we're, we're good, we're good <laughs> i heard the virus is staying in the white house <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys oh. have also launched a gofundme is that right Correct. what is what Tell us about it. What are you aiming for? What is what work is going to be done with that? Yeah, so um, that has been super helpful. I mean, initially it was just helpful to see how many people wanted us to succeed and mm. agreed um, that we were filling a void that the city needed. Um, and to this day, I mean, we're still getting support through the GoFundMe, which is excellent. And that money obviously is going directly back to the business. We have um, we have two patios, a front and back patio that we're they're a little makeshift at the moment. So mm -hmm. those monies will probably um, most immediately be applied to the back patio. Uh, and we have another large financial burden coming up with the basement. We have proposed um, a fire alarm system, which isn't as expensive as a sprinkler system, which is why we're <laughs> proposing it. Um, but hopefully that will get approved so we can use our basement because we've also transformed that space and it's mm. really, really awesome down there. 
And obviously right now, the more space, the better. So yeah. that's why we're trying to use every, every inch we have. Um, but yeah, those are just a couple of the larger um, projects and expenses that are in the hopefully near future. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the name of the bar itself and kind of well, how the us. <laughs> no there's a josh and john's it's on pike's peak we grew up we all grew really? up really i hadn't i hadn't heard that i haven't heard that no? um um no it's it was really fun it was all josh's um idea for sure um but there is there's an aspect you know because this hasn't happened before and because there's not a lot of um exposure to the average person in this town about the queer community and being queer in 2020. So it's called icons because it's all based around queer icons throughout history. So all the artwork, all the menu items, all the music, everything is really fun and centered around centered around yeah. queer icons. So we, we definitely wanted an educational aspect to it. And Josh and I as humans are very punny. We love a dad joke. We love a pun. So so you can order a, a Dolly Patron or a Ricky <laughs> Martini. Yeah, you, you get the idea. Um, literally the you best know, part. I had like three of those drinks on election night. It was great. Yep. Yeah. Um, so much I, our, our, my favorite part of the bar is our two over-the-top themed bathrooms. We have the Dolly Parton bathroom and the RuPaul bathroom. They play their music on loop. There's huge <laughs> wall murals of their faces. There's memorabilia. High heels on the ceiling. Yeah, it's really fun. We definitely um, covered all, every corner of the bar with design. And then hopefully when we're able to use the, the basement, which we love, it kind of has this speakeasy feel down here. Right now, and we're going to add more. Right now, we I think we have 41 portraits, just black and white portraits of people that we think were influential, and we'll keep adding to that. Um, and it, it, so when you walk in, you know, it's just a fun celebration space and it on on the surface um it it makes sense you know and, and but there's something deeper about it and our big mission was to create an unapologetic fun celebratory uh queer space because i think aside from the live entertainment and all the fun things that we're doing we're in 2020 i think it's really important to not have uh, or to, to redefine for a lot of the people in college things what it means to be gay and that there's an archaic perception of a gay bar um, and you know it's it's nothing that our bar is and I am so excited for people that do have these um, predefined like meanings um, I'm excited for them to come into a bar and have this experience and I, I challenge them to walk away and say that it wasn't fun and that gay people are a blast. <laughs> but I think it was really important. I mean, that's the flag outside um, is is more than just a fun flag. Like it is saying, hey, we are not ashamed. This is, and, and no disrespect to places that came before us because they've definitely served the purpose. But even the names of those establishments like Hide and Seek or um, underground you know they all have some sort of shameful um, association so we just wanted to turn all of that on its head and um, 
bring this new, vibrant, um, happy definition of what, what it means to be gay in 2020 to Colorado Springs. So talking about, um, Josh, you grew up, did you go to, like, how long were you in Colorado Springs before you left? Like elementary to high school? left when I was 18, the second that I graduated. Right. As we all did, and then we all came back. Um, (laughs) So, you know, Colorado in that time, I don't know, for a lot of people that might, who are listening that have moved here, Colorado in that time was very conservative, focused on the family, certainly dominated Colorado Springs politics. Amendment 2 was a legit um, ballot initiative that was banning gay, wasn't it banning, it was a restriction of uh, gay rights in the workplace, yes. right? I think, I mean, it was a very red overall state. As of 2020, we have shifted totally blue. I think Colorado Springs itself is the top metro area in the country that has shifted the most away from Trump when you look mm-hmm. at the total vote count. Um, is it kind of like, to me, it's almost like whiplash, like, oh my God, I can't believe this, this is the Colorado Springs. And I, I feel like I'm constantly defending uh, the city now, for some yeah. reason, to people. it is, you know, it is not focused on the family. It is not right. New Life Church. It is a much more diverse, progressive area than you would think. Do, do you feel like the opening of icons in this time is just kind of that opportune moment to really expand that, that cultural shift in the city? Absolutely. Um, you know, Could you have done this 10 years ago, do you think? We could have. I don't know if we would have been successful, um, but I, I do think, if anything, it's, it is a little past due, and and we were surprised that it hadn't been done. Um, and we've found out through conversations with a lot of people in this city that everyone sort of thought about it. Everybody wanted it to happen, um, and I'm I'm glad that we were the ones that actually did it because I think we set the bar pretty high, um, and hopefully others will follow. Yeah, and I will say we, we got nothing but support from the city because I think they know what kind of a message it, it sends when this demographic isn't represent, represented downtown. So when they're trying to get, when they're trying to market this as a tourist town or draw younger people to move here from Denver and Boulder, it really says something if you Google gay bar and nothing pops up. Yeah, that would say a lot to us. That's the first thing that we gays do. Uh, when, <laughs> yeah. When we visit any place, I mean, that's the first thing you do. Like, what do you want to do tonight? Let's see where the gay bar is. And it is uh, definitely sending a message if if a city does not, nothing pops up. Yeah, so mm-hmm. saying that the city was very, very in support of this the whole time. Think because of all the new exciting things happening the new housing here they think it just goes in line with what they want the city to be right and that's not to say that you know we definitely know that a lot of businesses are gay friendly um and and we've even been asked like well don't you think that's enough and again like the, to an outsider <laughs> there's a quota <laughs> yeah well no it's just enough to be friendly we don't have to we don't, you don't want to say it's a gay bar when you've been told that many times. Oh, I see, I see. Um, but again, like it, it does send a very clear message when a gay bar pops up or when a gay bar doesn't. Um, and after everything that this community's been through, it is 
alarming when there is no gay bar and then you suddenly question like if your safety or you know if you want to be in that city at all well especially for for anyone who doesn't have that kind of support from their immediate friends or family just seeing that flag outside of our building it might just be the hug they need yeah that's the hope i mean when i was uh, in high school here i i would drive around and there were you would notice maybe a little rainbow sticker in a, a bookstore, mainly in Denver, honestly. I, I can't think of anything when I was growing up that, and those little messages are really impactful, especially, you know, for a young adult. If if you're not getting reinforcement, if, if you're in a place that clearly um, is saying that you're not welcome or there aren't others like you, that's part of why I couldn't wait to get out of here, you know? Um, and I'm thrilled that I get to all these years, many years later, um, <laughs> get to be a part of that change. It's super exciting and very, very important. And I think that's why the downtown partnership has embraced us. Um, you know, everyone in this in the city has all the business owners. I think everybody sees the value in what we're doing and at the time that we're doing it. Darcy, do you have? A question about uh, the grand opening? About the grand opening? No, no. It sounds like it's going very well. Like you guys said, you're you're booked up. You know, for the first uh, the first opening day, which is awesome. And then, um, how are people going to be able to find out what that looks like in the future? Where do they find you guys? Can they follow you on social media? What does all of that look like? Yes, social media is definitely the best way to um, keep up with any kind of schedule, special events, stuff like that. Um, but as of right now, and as you all know, things can change. Our, we're open every day. We open at four to close, whenever that means from the government right now. <laughs> and um, we do encourage reservations. And you can do that through just a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can email us at josh at icons-co.com. Um, Our Instagram is icons underscore Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, and you can make a reservation. You can also just walk in first come first serve. Um, and we'll do our best to, to see you. That might mean the patio, which, you know, we do have a little fire pimps and heater. So it's on a nice night. It's nice. <laughs> uh, but you might miss the show. So we encourage reservations um, just for everyone's safety and, and benefit. But yeah, you're welcome to just walk in. Oh, happy hour every day. Four to seven, five dollar happy hours. There's some great specials, which that's what I would go to. I love a deal, so that's <laughs> very much me. <laughs> um, and where where's it actually physically located? We haven't actually talked. About uh, the address that. is a uh, three East Bijou, so it's Bijou and Cascade, right next to the new Hilton. Right there. The beautiful Hilton, the architectural delight of Colorado Springs. <laughs> um, we were. Um, talking about an artist today it's just a great canvas there for mural uh but yeah yeah we're just run around the corner from shame and regret um which we love them as well if you haven't been some mm -hmm. of the, i would say those, those cocktails are some of the best i've excellent. ever had so yeah shame and regret's excellent uh, there's a really great alley bar alley bar scene in colorado springs <laughs> yeah that was surprising to me it's so cool yeah it's very cool um 
I well, love the I fresh take on Colorado Springs from John. Like it's super good to hear considering <laughs> yeah. the other three people on the show all left as soon as possible and took a really long time <laughs> to come back. It's, it's just nice to have someone be like, no, this is sweet. No, you guys got this sweet stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's true. <laughs> I sometimes I mean, have a hard time getting there, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> that's, you know, and you know, to be fair, I was, I grew up a homeschooled Mormon in West Virginia in the woods. So, you know, not that it wasn't great. I had a great time, uh, a lot of outdoors, but yeah, I mean, I really, I honestly believe that this is like kind of the next big thing. I think it's really going to explode. And so that was a big reason we were jumping on it. We just want to join. It's great. I'm nice. glad you guys are here and I'm glad you're opening icons. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And thanks for having yeah. Thanks so much. Um, so icons, check them out uh, on the socials on Facebook. You can still get, donate to their GoFundMe, right? Get that heater, yes. get that patio outside Please. going. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's a fun spot. It's a fun spot for everybody, as uh, Josh emphasized. So check it out. It's super fun. Awesome. Well, All thank right. you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you Thank soon. you, guys. We'll see you at Icons. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Little London Show is a production of Little London Media. Produced by producer Daniel, researched by researcher Tim, and your hosts are Jeff and Darcy. Recorded at R&D Studios located in downtown Colorado Springs, Colorado. Get more information and links at littlelondonshow.com. <laughs>